Hey there. Welcome to the show. So here I am sitting in the Simple Podcast studio and, you know, I figured, why not turn around and bring in a very special guest? He's going to be joining me a little bit later in the hour. Um, he, he is actually the founder of the multifamily conference at, at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. I'm going to have Seth Ferguson join me shortly. And uh, by the way, if you want to own multifamily residential properties, um, it's a great conference. It's coming up on May the 26th to 28th. And so uh, Seth is going to talk to us all about it. And I'm really excited to have him in the studio. So, and again, you know, one of the things that uh, here at Simply Real Estate, when we when we made the big, big move back about six months ago to our own studio location here, it's so amazing having guests join us here in studio. You know, forget about the phone call, forget about the Zoom meetings. I mean, you know what? It, it's amazing the energy that you can have when somebody's sitting right beside you, you know, I've got my producers, Aiden and Omar, big shout out. You guys always keep it simple for me every single week. But you know what? Here we are. You know, we had so much more interaction. So, you know, one of the things that I try to do here at the show is educate, educate, educate. And also, you know, feature the people that are actually the superstars in the industry. And, you know, for years now, I've been able to bring on some of the top real estate agents in the world. And I started thinking to myself, hey, what about creating a segment every single month? Ah, hey, how about two segments? Um, you know, so once a month, how about I bring on a top realtor? And what if they could tell us about their marketplace? Tell us about what makes them a top realtor. What if they told us what's unique about them? You know, talk about their passion in the industry. So I'm throwing it out there to you. So are you a top realtor? Because you know you got to better be full-time if you're going to come talk to me. But here's the thing. You got to come into the studio. I'm going to interview you. And you can tell us all about you and your marketplace. You know, I've had um, some of the top agents in the world join me. I've had Sam McDaddy, great guy. Um, you know, I've had uh, Frank Leo, again, awesome, awesome real estate uh, agent. So how about... Do you want to be put into the same, uh, you know, situation that I've had these guys sitting here in the studio with me? Well, so what, here's, here's the catch though. A, you have to follow me on Instagram. That's the simple investor one. So if you're not following me, you're not going to get the invite and you got to DM me and you know, my producers are going to kind of run you down, check you out. And there you go. You'll get an invite. So once a month, that's right here in the simple podcast studio, I'm going to turn around and start interviewing the top agents. And, you know, if you can come in from California, because I know it gets some listeners, great. But if not, how about we talk to everybody here in Ontario? So if you feel like you're a top realtor and you'd like to be able to be my guest here in the studio, and forget about Zoom, forget about the phone, it's not going to happen. If you join me here in the studio at the Simple Podcast Studio, I will interview you, give you your, you know, you know free shot in the sun, and uh, it'll be really, really exciting. So I am looking forward to it because I know there are a lot of people I respect in the industry and again, follow me here, The Simple Investor One, DMS. Tell us that you want to be part of the show. And I'll be happy to bring you on and tell you everything about, you know, let everybody know about you. Okay. That's really, really important. So I do want to throw out a huge congratulations. As everybody know, we did a, they did this release, you know, only 129.9. Holy smokes. I didn't know so many people wanted to own investment real estate. You know, you hear the government and you hear the bank rates and everybody went, arrow, arrow. Um, but the funny thing is, yeah, sure enough. Um, almost 400 people registered. And, uh, so those of you that did succeed, congratulations. 
um, you know, very, very exciting investment, you know, something that I think everybody should be doing. So for those of you that missed though, um, do reach out to us just so you know, we do have a special program and a special release for those people that missed out. Uh, talk to my office, go to the simpleinvestor.com, book an appointment and my team will meet with you because we know that there was quite a few people that did miss out because it wasn't that big of a release. And we want to give everybody the opportunity to be able to uh, get into the world of investment real estate. Um, you know, so a couple other things. Um, so we've got some new releases, as I mentioned, go to simpleinvestor.com. And so now, you know, now that I've burned up uh, a few minutes of the show, I need to get into my real estate rant mode. Okay. And just so you know, um, I'm kind of be going to be doing, um, a, a new version of the show. I'm not going to do it here. You know, I am going to be doing it on the simple podcast though. Uh, we are going to be getting more and more involved in the simple podcast, which, uh, simply real estate does pop into and out of, but more importantly, you know, we've, we're going to kind of like, you know, we're going to pull the wrapper off or I'm, I'm going to be basically kind of uncut having conversations, the real conversations, the stuff that. You know, not everybody wants to hear. And if you don't want to hear it, don't listen to me uh, when it comes down to it. Because one of the most important things I think is that there is so much sugarcoating going on about what's happening in the world of real estate, uh, you know, the political aspect of the financial aspect of it. And um, I'm kind of getting tired of a little bit of a muzzle that hangs around. So I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to let it go. Uh, so the, it's going to be the simple podcast and I'm just going to keep it, to, you know, simply real. That's about the best I can tell you. I think it's going to be really important, you know, that we, uh, we, we dig down because there's, uh, I can tell you, there's a tsunami coming and I'd rather let everybody know how to prepare for it when it comes down to the world of real estate and where you should be, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. And again, it's going to be a new part of our show. Um, you'll be able to catch it on YouTube, of course all our channels and uh you know like i said my my producers are doing a hell of a job doing what they need to do for me and we're going to keep you up to date on everything but here goes the part of the rant and you know i'm going the opposite i flipped my hat over on this one and i got a problem with some landlords and i know that a lot of people know me as you know being an investor so that makes me a landlord and i am uh you know quite a few times over but here's the problem you know, I recently had a phone meeting with, uh, somebody and, you know, they, 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 you know, kind of guised themselves as being, uh, somebody that was interested in the simple investor, but they kept asking me these questions and I finally went, okay, you're not asking me the right questions. So I said to them, I said, look, you're not really that interested in our program. I said, it seems like you're just trying to get me to give you answers on being a landlord. And so the comments that started coming, the gentleman that I was talking to, he started asking me questions, uh, about being a landlord. And then he started going on about what he wanted to do to his tenant. And I'm like, wait a minute for a second. Let's, let's, let's drill this down. What are you thinking? And he said, well, he said, you know, um, how about I just lie to the tenant, tell them that my son's going to move in so I can kick them out so I can increase the rent. And I said, go ahead do it. And I'll report you to the LTB myself. I said, you're giving landlords a bad name. He goes, what do you mean? I should be able to increase my rents whenever I want. I said, mm, that's not how the world works. Okay. Let's be straight. And, you know, I did get a little bit aggressive with it because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not happy with tenants that abuse landlords, but I'm not happy with landlords that abuse tenants. And the idea here was that, you know, this person just thought that, Hey, doesn't matter what the rules are. I'm going to break them and you can't, you can't stop me. Well, as the, as the conversation continued, 
you know, it's like, I'm just going to text my tenant about their rental increase. And I said, you can't do that. I said, you have to do the proper notice. There's a reason why we have rules and the rules apply to both sides. You can't just sit there and say, well, the tenant has to pay me, but I can do whatever I want to the tenant. So, you know, part of my rant here is that I, it disgusts me when landlords want to abuse tenants and just decide that they can do whatever they want to them. Again, I don't like tenants that don't pay. Okay. That's wrong. They should be evicted. But I also think that if a landlord abuses a tenant, they should be fined. And so I do agree on that aspect. Bad landlords should be punished. I'm sorry, but that's reality. You got to have a balance folks. And, you know, again, you'll know that I have this real problem with the LTB because they don't get us in front of the board for months and months and months. And if a tenant decides not to pay, you know, it does hurt the landlord. It can hurt the good landlords. I wish it could hurt the bad landlords more, but it hurts the good landlords. Well, vice versa, you know, you got a bad landlord. And so as I kind of closed out this conversation, I just was sitting there shaking my head, having this conversation. I'm just like, oh, I can't believe that you have this attitude. And then, then I was told, okay, you know, I own three investment properties. And I, I thought, well, I'm sorry for your three tenants in place. And then on top of that, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to serve these notices. And I said, look, your, your, your timing's off. You're telling me when it matures, you can't do this. You're, you're going to have to do serve the proper notice. And you know, what, when I was finished with the conversation, I felt bad. Okay. And I felt bad for the tenant. It's like, this person owns three investment properties, probably because he had, you know, good equity, good income, whatever it was to be able to buy them. But he was uneducated as you could possibly be. And the one thing that I have to make sure everybody understands, you need to educate yourself in the world of investment real estate, no matter what, know the rules. Look, if a tenant's taking advantage of you, serve the right notice. Okay. Do it properly. Get the tenant out the days of just abusing people is gone. Okay. And you're not going to win as a landlord, you won't win. So by doing this, this is only going to set us all back. So, you know, does it affect me as a landlord? It does. It gives us a bad name. And quite frankly, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm appalled at some people's attitude. Look, I'm appalled at some of the tenants that don't pay. Okay. Get out of the property. Nobody said you should live for free. But as far as the landlord goes, nobody said you could make up the rules. The rules are in place for a reason. So that's my rant this week. And you know what? Um, you're going to find that I'm probably going to go a little bit more in depth when I do it with the simple podcast. I'm really excited about this new program that we're going to be launching. And we're going to make sure that you're, you're, you're you know, brought up to date. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com for sure to find out more. Go to make sure you follow me at the simple investor one. We're going to keep letting you know when, you know, we've got new posts. We're going to keep moving this thing forward. It's going to be very, very exciting. Um, you know, it's, it's part of us basically saying how it is, you know, um, I'm not going to call myself Joe Rogan. I mean, you know, the guy's got a gazillion followers, but at the end of the day, he says it how it is. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, I think people need to know the truth. And it's not just my truth. You know, I look at there's things that are out there. I may not agree with, but you know what, you got to know what's going on. And today in this world, in this environment, you know, um, the world of real estate, it's not getting any easier. If anything, you know, the government, everybody's making it a little bit more difficult, but if you want to find out something that makes it easier, my next guest joining me up after the break, Seth Ferguson, he's going to tell you how to make your life a little bit easier. If you're looking at multi-reds. So remember, follow me on Instagram, the simple investor one. We'll be right back after this. 
Hey there, welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, um, you know, I, I like bringing people on who share some interests that I have, but more importantly, also know a lot about things such as investment real estate. So, you know, have you ever thought of becoming a real estate investor or how about in the multi-res? So multi-res, of course, is, you know, multiple units. Um, a lot of people deem them to be residential, like apartments, apartment buildings, townhouse complexes, things like that. So have you ever wondered how people get started? Have you ever wondered, you know, what the pros do? Well, tell you what, my next guest, as I had mentioned before the break, uh, joining me, uh, I've got Seth Ferguson with me, and he is the founder and CEO of the multifamily residential, sorry, real estate investments. And uh, he's also going to be hosting, by the way, coming up May the 26th to 28th, the 2023 Multifamily Conference at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm thrilled to have you here because uh, just for uh, our listeners' sake, I am going to the conference. You know what? When I saw you come up with this, uh, looks like you got some great speakers. And I thought, you know what? For sure, I want to to partake and, and, and you know, listen to some of the experts. And so I thought I'd start off. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the conference and your background and things like that. Sure. Well, the multifamily conference, like you mentioned, it's coming up. And we are Canada's largest real estate investing conference. And uh, basically, we are trying to do really cool things in the real estate space and educate people and really break down those misconceptions people have about apartment building investing. Like I had when I first started, I thought you had to be a big corporation, a really wealthy person to invest in apartments. That's not the case. So we're bringing in investors from across Canada and the United States, bring them all to one spot in Toronto and having a really great time. Yeah. So you're going to be at the Toronto Convention Center, correct? Yeah. Um, so tell me. Who are some of the speakers that you guys are going to be featuring? Yeah, we've we've got speakers like Grant Cardone, who owns about four and a half billion dollars worth of apartments. Alex Alex Rodriguez, uh, most people know him from baseball, yeah, but that's what I thought. But uh, he, he's a guest on uh, Shark Tank. He also uh, owns a lot of real estate. Uh, we have Janet LePage, Western Wealth, Brad Sumrock, uh, Dahlia Barsoom. We have uh, you know the best real estate investors and capital raisers from from across Canada and the U.S. Yeah, excellent. You know, it's funny that uh, you mentioned Alex because, you know, a lot of people I don't think uh, realize that, you know, a lot of these superstar sport athletes, you know, a lot of people that are famous, um, how much real estate they actually own. You know, it's amazing that, you know, if you dig down, you know, there are a lot of people that own real estate, but they don't really jump up and tell you all about it. No, I, and that's the thing. And, and also it's how does Alex take his high performance mindset from baseball and apply it to business? Because he's been doing some great things with his portfolio, uh, not you know on the private equity side, but also on the real estate side. Like he owns like fifteen thousand apartment units. Uh, that's wow. insane. That's incredible. That that is incredible. So you know he's building a great portfolio, and uh, he brings so much to it. And I'm really interested in getting inside his head and figuring out like how he actually thinks about this. Right. So before we move forward, um, tell us if somebody, one of our listeners, sitting there saying, "Hey, how do I you know go to this? How do I buy a ticket? Tell us how." Yeah, the best way is to go to multifamilyconference.ca and we'll have a discount code. We can use a code a simple and uh, they can save 10% off their ticket. Excellent. Excellent. So, so let's 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 talk about the real estate world, okay? Cuz you know, obviously when you when you talk about uh, you know, multifamily residential, um you know, let's let's start off with one of the biggest obstacles today that I think that uh, landlords and becoming landlords face um is that there's no inventory. There is no inventory out there. So tell me, you know, give me your mindset. T talk to us about that. Yeah, inventory is really tough. Like, it, it all stems from the housing crisis. And you've spoken about this 
at at length, right? Inventory is tough. So from an investor point of view, it's all about deal flow, right? If, if we don't have deal flow coming in, we don't have, we can't work it down our underwriting funnel and we can't really end up writing LOIs or writing offers. So it's all about, okay, well, if there's really no inventory, how can I actually get in front of prospective deals? And, you know, a lot of deals right now, they're pocket listings. It's like, hey, I know a guy who's <laughs> thinking about selling. It's it's all pocket listings, yeah. right? So how can how can I approach my prospecting to make sure I'm at the top of the list if somebody does happen across a, a pocket listing or a prospective seller? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you, you say, I know a guy is, you know, I understand that if it's a set of tires, but when it's an apartment building, it feels a little different. Yeah. You know, and, and it, you're, you're right though, because, um, for, for a lot of the investors, and you know, maybe you and I can bounce some stuff off each other, but for a lot of investors, folks, if you're looking at, let's say, buying you know, multi-res, like let's say an 18-plex or something, if it hits the MLS, the chances are it's already circulated around. This is where getting into a marketplace and making those connections that you mentioned, I think is very important. So like knowing, knowing the realtors, knowing the landlords, you know, knowing knowing the people in the different areas, know some of the property managers. Like if you want to uncover, you know, inventory, you kind of have to dig. It just doesn't show up in your lap today, not, especially not in this market. No, and that's the, that's the shift when people uh, make the jump from doing houses, uh, investing in houses to apartment buildings. Very different system. If you're listing a house, you put it on the MLS, you get all the buyers, you get all the showings. With apartments, it's a little bit different. Like you mentioned, if if an apartment building hits the uh, the public market, it's already it's already been passed over by a lot of people. So it's a bit of a mindset shift in terms of how you're finding inventory uh, to look at. But it's not uncommon for some larger apartment complexes. the The seller will tell their broker, "Hey, approach your four best people." Yep, and that's it. So and that's who will know about the deal. And and the thing is that the majority of the great deals happen without the public even knowing about them. So, you know, what when you are making that transition to apartment buildings, it's just a different way of curating your potential deals and, and uh, deals that you're going to look at. Um, very different from the residential side. Yeah. And you know, the the engagement of offers when you start talking about multi-res is completely different. Um, when people are buying residential. You know, you're not necessarily looking at, you know, uh, a phase one environmental. You're not necessarily looking at, you know, you can get a, a building inspector to come to a house, but you actually are required for the lenders. They want to see a condition of what they are going to put financing on. So talk to us kind of just as that little step through on when somebody's going to purchase some of the things they should line up. Yeah. So n number one, financing is important, no matter which way you're going to do it. Um, and as you're scaling up, you have to really figure out what model you're going to follow. Are you going to joint venture? Are you going to syndicate um, the deal? Are you going to launch a fund? Because that's going to dictate um, how you can really acquire the units. Uh, for instance, if you're syndicating a deal, uh, you're going to get it under contract, then you have a very limited time to raise the funds. Uh, so that's going to dictate your, your closing and, and other terms you have, whether or not you want some extensions in the contract to, to give you some wiggle room. And, uh, you know, uh, depending on the market, like there are people taking advantage of the extensions uh, because they needed a little extra time uh, for the raise. Um, but yeah, 100%. So you want your financing, you want your due, your due diligence. So you're going to have uh, your property management company come through. They're going to be looking through uh, the, the rent rolls, making sure everything lines up. It's not uncommon sometimes for people to, uh, you know, misplace funds or 
add things to the rent roll to beef up the property. I'm sure you have lots of stories about that. Um, and then also on, on the contracting side too, um, you know, a lot of people like to use uh, rules of thumb uh, when they're underwriting it at a first pass. But uh, when you're actually taking a serious look at the property, you need to have a, the contractor go through and really develop an itemized uh, you know, work plan, an action plan, uh, so that way you can get your costs under, under control and really understand what you're going in at. Uh, because it's one thing, I always say garbage in, garbage out. So if you're looking um, at a property, doing your underwriting, your analysis, if you're just putting guesstimates in, you're going to get garbage out. If you're actually putting the, the best numbers you can possible, you're going to end up with a better uh, uh, a pro form or guesstimate of uh, what the property can actually do. Yeah, excellent. Um, you know, Seth, I want you to stay put. We're, uh, folks, we're going to go to a quick break. Um, I do want to you know, continue down this road. We're going to talk actually about rent rolls and how to take a look at a rent roll. Uh, because I think it's really important that people understand that when you're buying multi-res, you know, your rent is very important. It's not just not about the building. In fact, the lenders want to see more about the rent than they actually do about the building. So um, as I mentioned be uh, a little bit earlier, so are you thinking of getting into the multi-res business? Well, you know what? You need to go to Seth Ferguson's, um, you know, uh, multi-res conference coming up. It is May the 26th to 28th, and it is at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And hey, if you're not following me by now, you should be. It's the Simple Investor One on Instagram. Um, really, really excited about a lot going on. And uh, when we come back, we'll have more with Seth. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, in the studio, I have Seth Ferguson with me. And by the way, Seth is the founder and CEO of the Multifamily uh, Real Estate Investment Inc. Um, they are the ones putting on the 2023 Multifamily Conference at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And that's coming up May the 26th and 28th. And no, by the way, he did not pay to be here. I asked Seth to come here because you know what? As everybody knows, I am a huge, huge advocate of multi-res here at The Simple Investor. I believe in this stuff. We need more of it, and we're just not building enough of it. Seth, just before the break, you and I were, you know, having a good chat about when when somebody's doing that transition from being, you know, the single-family uh, landlord to going into more of a multi-res perspective. Um, one of the things I know, and, you know, I, I'll tell you, I went through the learning process, is really how to drill down on a rent roll you know, and one of the things I've always made sure, and when you buy a lot of pro a lot of units, um, you got to check every single one. You need to find out and take a look at the leases. Uh, you know, find out uh, where if there's any outstanding amounts. If somebody hasn't paid rent in 60 days, do they have the notices in place? I mean, there's so much that people don't realize that a rent roll tells you. Yeah, and, and especially not even the the current month, but also you know the the trailing twelve or the uh, or the T six. So uh, you know when we talk about the T twelve uh, T six, we're looking at the historical data of the rent roll, and that can tell you a lot because uh, you know as you know, some people when they're looking to sell a building, they will put any warm body in there, and so you you can see some trends uh, with uh, which way it's going, and and that's just more information for you. Because the whole the whole idea of looking at a property, underwriting it, is 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 asking questions. You know, uh, I'm looking at this data. Well, what questions can I ask? How can I dig deeper into this to get the true story of the property? Yeah, you know, when when we do talk about you know tenancies and things like that, you know, going back to our rent rule for a second, um, you and I both know that in Ontario, the landlord tenant board, uh, there's quite a wait list. You know. Um, you know, right now, because Seth is here, I am not going to embarrass him by taking a run at the LTB as I normally do. You know that I'm a 
big fan, not. But anyway, so Seth, when we do take a look at rent rolls and we, you do see that there's like an outstanding one or two months, you know, and, and sometimes six, um, you know, you definitely want to see if the, if the landlord's just lazy or if they're proactive and they've actually made the applications. Yeah, that's especially in Ontario, it's all, you have to have your paperwork on point. So like you mentioned, is, is the landlord actually filing the notices, the required notices to actually start the process? Because if the, in Ontario, because of the way things are slanted and we could talk for hours about this stuff, <laughs> but in Ontario, you have to be on the ball with your paperwork, because if you're, if you're going to give a couple months grace period to the tenant and the, you're already a couple months behind because of the backlog. So but when you're looking um, at a property and you're seeing the landlord on the ball, so uh, late payment, they follow the notice, like just have everything above board, all the ducks in a row. So that way, if you do end up at the tribunal, uh, every the whole process is done and you have all the records of that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you, you mentioned, you know, folks, when you're, when you're dealing with the LTB, if your paperwork, if you don't cross that T, guess what? They think it's an L you're not going to continue on. They're going to send you packing because again, the landlord has to be so accurate to be able to collect the rent properly. You know, uh, so one of the things that I also think that it's very important, and, and this is in any form of being a landlord is really taking a hard look at the lease that's been signed making sure that the tenant that signed the lease is actually the tenant in place. But more importantly, take a look at, did they do a condition report? Did they say that, hey, listen, if you break this, this costs this. Did they actually do pictures? You know, like drilling down, because as I've told people in the past, you know, yeah, there's a lot of bad tenants, but there's a lot of bad landlords. And you're a bad landlord if you let a bad tenant in. In other words, do your due diligence before you have somebody committed, right? Yeah, and this is where... It you have to talk with the tenants if you're looking at a building, right? You want to have those conversations because so many times, uh, you know, if it's a, lo a long-term landlord who's not really running things like a business, you may have some verbal agreements and uh, you, you have to get on top of those. Cause like you said, you know, maybe, maybe there was a verbal agreement about one thing and then the paperwork says another thing, but it's been in place for five years. Like it, you really have to uh, dial in and really find out what the agreement is, what's the expectations. And if it's not on, like we've all seen buildings where there's not even any paperwork. Like it's the tenants living there, they've always paid, but there's no lease that can be found. And and that, that presents some interesting uh, situations as well. Yeah, I was touring, yeah. I was touring a building uh, a few weeks ago. And so I was tour touring it with the property manager and every door we knocked on and went in, the first thing the tenant, you know, they'd say, oh, um, you know, the property manager would say, hi, yes, we're just doing a quick inspection. Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. You guys haven't been returning my call. I have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. And I swear, 50% of the building we went in, the tenants had complaints of a landlord that wasn't doing their job. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so that's either a really good opportunity for you <laughs> or, or, or it's a red flag being like, okay, well, what else don't I know about this property? But then that prompts you to ask more questions and dig deeper, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get a price reduction. Yeah, exactly. Before running it, you know, that's the, that's the thing I've run from a lot of deals. So, you know, it, it's important that, you know, and, and, and this is one of the things that, you know, I know because you are, your experience, um, when you talk about, you know, multi-res is really drilling down also you and your partner. So let's talk about that. So you mentioned things such as, you know, either a fund or an LP. So you have to, you have to figure out your partnerships, right? 
So explain to me a little bit about how you see creating partnerships when you go into the multi-res avenue. Yeah, actually, uh, last year at the multifamily conference, we had a great conversation with uh, Joe Fairless. So very well-respected investor. He's about $3 billion right now in apartments. And he spoke about partnerships. And the number one mistake he, he said people make is they look to find themselves in a partner. So, uh, you know, if I'm looking for a partner right now, I should not be looking for, you know, the clone of Seth, right? Because we have the same skill sets, the same mentality. I should be looking for the opposite because quite often in real estate, you've got four key components, right? You need the deal, you need the financing, you need the equity, and you need the management. Um, somebody looking for capital or who is able to raise capital won't be the number cruncher, right? Very opposite skill sets. So when you're looking for a partnership, Look for somebody with the opposite, it's the yin and yang, right? Yeah. The opposite skill set. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so when you're, when you refer to that, um, you know, sometimes you have multiple partnership. Sometimes, as you said, you can create a LP joint, a joint venture. Talk about joint venture, joint ventures, because you know, there's a lot of, I'm going to call them trainers out there, but I'm, I'm not going to put out any names. Of course, I don't want to put a target on anybody's back, but there's some trainers out there that talk about JVs and how people can turn around and get into JVs with really no money down. You get your money partner, but you're going to do, you're going to be the laborer. And that's a tough one too. <laughs> that, that is really tough. And, and I think, especially when we're talking about smaller, like residential real estate, if uh, you know, you and I are, we're going to do a, a duplex conversion and I'm swinging the hammer and, and you're financing it. We have to look at uh, the, the risk exposure as well, uh, because the risk exposure in that case is unlimited, <laughs> um, which, which is why we have advantages for different structuring and, and why we do, do things a little bit differently. But yeah, in, in terms of partnerships, like it, it, it all comes down to, okay, well, here's the deal. Um, I, ha I can bring this to the table. What can the partner bring to the table? And it has to be equal or, or the compensation has to be different because nobody wants to be in a situation where one partner's dragging their feet and then things get sour. That, that, that ruins the relationship and, and that makes the deal um, you know, less successful for not only your investors, but for yourself. Yeah. So you know, um, one, of, one of the things that I also want to encourage, and Seth, you'd probably agree to this, is that when you go into a joint venture with somebody, always plan the exit strategy because not everybody looks at it. You know, things happen, life happens, you know, attitudes happen, personalities happen. You know, you go in with a good intention, you know, year one, by year three, you're at each other's throats and one wants to exit. So tell us, how do you manage that? Yeah, I made this mistake myself. Uh, it was a very expensive mistake. Um, but uh, yeah, number one, have everything on paper, right? Because it's, everybody's you know, really excited when you first start the, uh, the venture. Um, and then memories fail us. Like we are human. Uh, so sometimes we think we remembered something that was said three years ago, but the reality was different. So get everything on paper, set very clear expectations. And that way, if there is a disagreement or, you know, the exit plan, like you mentioned, planning your exit, have that plan on paper, have a memorandum of understanding of the business plan. So that way, if there is a disagreement or a question, you can refer back to that and say, oh, actually we did discuss this. This is what we agreed would happen. And that will alleviate so much grief and uh, headaches and expense. Uh, you know, if you ever, ever end up in a situation where, uh, you know, things are not quite going to plan. Yeah. No, I think that's some great advice. And it's sort of like your first marriage. Make sure you got it, got it in writing. Um, listen, folks, stay put. I'm going to have more with uh, Seth Ferguson when we return. And remember, uh, mark that date, uh, May the 26th, 28th, the Toronto Convention Center. If you want to know more about the multifamily residential kind of investment, you know, make sure you go. It's, it's going to be great. And uh, we'll be right back after this.
And welcome back. So if you're just tuning in, my guest here in the studio joining me at the Simple Podcast booth, um, I've got uh, Seth Ferguson. And just so you know, Seth is the owner, founder, CEO of the Multifamily Real Estate Investment Inc. Um, but more importantly, Seth is going to be running an incredible, incredible um, conference coming up on May the 26th to 28th. Uh, not his first kick at the can. They've had a lot of success with this. They are um, the, I guess, the biggest, um, you know, I guess, real estate conference. Is that correct? Largest real estate investing conference in Canada. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Great title to have. And Seth, you know, you and I have just been having a great conversation so far about, you know, understanding, you know, JVs, you know, talking about multi-res, things like that. Um, let's dumb it down a little. Let's go back to, you know, the regular world of real estate today. You know, we watched huge, huge increase, you know, 21, um, started to see everything completely implode. At least, at least people want to say it that way. You know, I get so sick and tired of listening to the media. Everything is, the sky is falling, you know, February 22, you know, massive rise. Everybody went crazy. Interest rates come crashing down. Bank of Canada lied. Everybody knows my narrative to this. Um, you know, interest rates went through the roof. And of course, everybody wants to say that the market was crashing, but you know, year over year, you take a look at the numbers. There's really not that much of an adjustment. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, you probably did not live through this, but I did 1989 crash. Okay. I was there. Um, you know, I was, I was in, you know, the real estate world at the time and that was a 35, 40% real crash. And, and it just never came back. Right. It took years to recover. Uh, it's kind of funny how everybody's still, it, it, we've got two narratives going on right now. It's crashing, uh, multiple offers. Like, do you know, I mean, I'm sure you read the headlines and just shake your head. Yeah. Well, every other day it's a different story. So that's frustrating. And I think in 1989, I would have been three years old. So <laughs> man, I feel old, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, but, it, but it's so true. And, uh, you know, one good example is I remember in the spring of 2017, we had a small little blip, um, and everybody was panicking at that point too. I think, yeah, it was spring of 2017 and it came uh, pretty quick. But it wasn't a huge drop. Same thing uh, right now. It's not a huge crash. Yeah. Like like when you look at other markets, like the stock market, like this is this is nothing to worry about. Uh, when you when you look at uh, other types of uh, assets or, or investments, and, and I think that speaks to the strength of real estate. You know, we, we have uh, an interest rate environment where, where costs are going up, but real estate's incredibly stable. Yeah. Well, you know, a couple of things. So 2017 is when they turn around and um, BC put in the foreign buyer tax and it was kind of a knee jerk reaction two weeks. Uh, and then of course, 2018, uh, what happened? Sorry, that was 2016. 2017 is when the Ontario government put it in. 2018 is when we put in the stress test, you know, so everybody was trying to take a good hard run at real estate. Right. And as you mentioned, you know, it seems like there's this resilient part of it. I think COVID really taught people you know, that how important having a roof over your head is. But, you know, right now you've got the government full bore on immigration and, you know, the numbers aren't quite what they said they were. You know, everybody said, okay, we're going to allow four or 500,000 people in, but we didn't factor in the students while we're at it. So that puts you at a million a year, you know, and we, we could have people building 24 seven. A, we don't have the staff to do it. B, you know, we are in a position right now where it's like, the, we just can't catch up. Yeah. And we have a policy issue in this country, um, in this province, what, as it relates to building, 
like, like you mentioned, we could build nonstop for 10 years and still having housing, still have a housing crisis. It is insane. So, you know, I, I was having a great conversation last week, you know, when we're approaching real estate investing, you know, yeah, everybody gets worried about the short-term interest rates, but think of it long-term, the next 10 to 15 years, like this problem is not going away. We are becoming a, a, a nation of renters. I know it's cliche, but it's so true. So uh, take a look at it from you know an institutional type of mindset. The institutions right now don't care about the interest rate environment. They're looking like 10 to 15 years down the road and they know the demand will only increase. Yeah. And, you know, cost of construction going up and for us to even come close, um, we need to bring on more trades because we've got this massive demographic that is about to retire. Over the next 10 years, 30% of all construction people are going to be at retirement age. I mean, that is going to be staggering. Like we can't keep up at, you know, 200%. Can you imagine doing it with less people? Yeah, we have a huge issue. And I think it all, like, well, not to simplify things, but policy is one. And also people would prefer sitting on a computer rather than swinging a hammer or, you know, doing elect electrical work, which is a great living to do. Like, like right now, if you're an electrician, you, you can work as much as you want. There's no shortage of jobs. Yeah. Trades, you know, I, I, it's amazing. Cause we had, uh, we had a seminar the other week and, you know, I met some young guys that were saying that we're going in the trades and I'm like, wow, you guys, the sky's limit. And that's, that's the one thing. And like you said, people want to sit around on the computer. Um, that's not going to get, Hey, it's not going to get the, the goods through the trucking system and they're not going to get you a roof over your head. But you know, we do have to be you know mindful obviously of what people's desires are and as we continue to grow the country with immigration, I think it's going to make it a real tough time for housing. And, and again, if we circle back, you know, you take a look at the interest rates, you, you, you did touch on it. Historically, they're not horrible. It's just, we got, we got kind of lulled into this low interest rate environment for, you know, 24 months where, you know, as soon as you tell somebody, somebody something for two years, they feel that should be the norm. Yeah. We basically got used to free money. That's what it was. And it, it was. It, that's not a normal environment, nor should money be free. Like, I, I think uh, based on monetary policy, now I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but you know, if you start handing out free money, like you're going to have an issue. So I, I think a lot of the things happening right now were created by ourselves, like, like the government, right? So yeah, like it, right now, like you said, interest rates, rather normal. If you look at the past 40 years, we're actually doing really well. Like money is still quite accessible. Um, and it's not going to make or break your deal. And quite honestly, if, if your deal's not working right now at, you know, five and a half percent, like it's not a good deal. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, you know, that then turns around and the, you know, one of the conversations you and I can have is real estate investor, real estate speculator. Cause I think a lot of people, when they saw markets increasing, they immediately said, okay, I'm going to hop in, hop out, make some money, put it in my jeans. Right. And you, as you said, institutionally, when you look at a true real estate investor, uh, they do not see an end to their ownership. And that's one of the things that I've always encouraged, you know, the leverage to live, leverage to last, these kind of things, the idea of having long-term ownership, generational wealth. But it's interesting because, you know, people got that quick buck bug and, and, you know, I try to deter that all the time. Yeah. And we just have to look at the dictionary, uh, by definition, speculation is where you have an opportunity to make money, but the money only comes from an increase in, in terms of the appreciation of the asset. That is not the right approach for real estate investing, right? We're looking for cash flow. We're looking for controlled appreciation where we can add value to the property. That, that is where we build wealth. Like uh, there's a great saying, I want to not get rich quick, but I want to get rich for sure. 
And that's by following the fundamentals, the solid basics of real estate investing. Because let's be honest, yeah, did some people get lucky speculating? Yeah, but you can't call it investing, right? You have to understand what it is. If you're at a level where you, you have a great portfolio and you want to speculate, that's great, but you have to know that you're doing that, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the thing, you know, what are you trying to achieve? I think, I think that's the ultimate question people ask, have to ask themselves. If you're going to involve yourself in a secondary property, what is your real motivation behind it? Is it to make a quick buck? Is it to create security? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of generational wealth and security. That that's one of the things I believe in my, you know, my core belief, but there are those people that just want to make that extra, you know, few bucks and that's a dangerous place to be. Cause I'm pretty sure the people that you know, bought in February of 2022 are probably looking at saying, you know what? Didn't work out so well. No, but you know what? But like you said, taking a long-term approach, you know, if, if, as long as they hold for the next 10 and 15 years, they are more than okay. Yeah. Right. It's like short, short-term pain. And nobody knows when, when the bottom of a market is, nobody knows when the top of, uh, of a market is, except after it's already happened. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Actually, mine, mine is broken. It's out of batteries right now, but <laughs> yeah, like, like you never know. So everybody talks about timing the market as well. Yeah, there are great times, but there there's issues and opportunities in every stage of the market cycle. You just have to have that more institutional approach. Think of it from a longer term and not get caught up in the short term kind of uh, media cycle like we were talking about before. Yeah. So Seth, um, awesome having you on the show. So let's just kind of wrap this up. Um, so coming up, uh, obviously in May, tell us more about your, your conference. Yeah. Really excited for the conference. Basically what we're doing is we are bringing in the top people from across Canada and the U S all the investors are coming to one spot. We have thousands of investors. Like I said, we're the, the largest real estate investing, uh, conference in the country. So whether you're a brand new investor, just getting into multifamily, we have workshops, we, we have all that stuff to get you up to speed, but we also attract some more experienced investors who are coming to really level up their portfolio. And we're talking about launching multiple funds, launching syndications. So whether you're a brand new real estate investor looking to get into it or a very experienced investor like yourself, and, and you're coming as well. Uh, there is definitely something for you at the multifamily conference. Yeah. And again, uh, website, best way multifamilyconference.ca. And we've got code simple, uh, to save 10%. Nice. Excellent. Well, listen, Seth, thanks for joining me today. Greatly appreciate it folks. Uh, that's a wrap. And like I said, you know, definitely something you, if you're thinking of buying multi-res, make sure you sign up for the conference. I think it's going to be a great thing. I'm going, so maybe I'll see you there. That would be great. Say hi to everybody. And, uh, more importantly, um, you know what, um, uh, make sure you're following us on, uh, Instagram, the simple investor one, uh, I try to keep you up to date. So who knows, maybe I'll do, uh, do a quick shot from the conference. And, and if you're not there, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. And by all means, you know, one of those things, I think everybody who's getting into this, this platform should be taking a look at more education. One of the things that I always encourage, um, I do want to thank my producers right here in the studio as usual thank you omar and aiden you guys keep it simple for us always every single week and we've got um ian grant he is at the head office making sure that i do this right and uh so we gotta make sure we do that but more importantly i do want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show here in canada uh, always exciting to bring you the show every single week. And of course, I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.